0: This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick, and it hurts a lot (laughs) when I shave normally with a bad razor, at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five blade razor, and I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair it doesn't hurt one bit no tugging anything like that and it stayed sharp the entire time as well i'm very impressed so far it also has kind of a good weight to it it's like heavier than normal i don't know it's like it's just got a good weight to it i really like that i didn't know i liked it before but now i know i like it i also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash otherworld. That's harrys.com slash otherworld for a $3 trial set. I have always wished that my Spanish was better. Living in Southern California and going to Mexico a lot for surfing, weekend trips, stuff like that, is just very handy. I took three years of it in high school, but I really didn't learn that much from the books. I basically only got really good at asking various types of people where the library is located, which turns out to be not a phrase you use that often when you're on vacation. Rosetta Stone is a much more organic and easy way to learn a new language because it really immerses you in that language. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop, and also it has an app. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Like I said, it's fast language acquisition because it really immerses you in the language. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. They also have speech recognition features like True Accent, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also an amazing value. They offer a lifetime membership, which includes all 25 languages, which is perfect for any and all trips you might have in your future with various languages you might want to learn. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Otherworld listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com otherworld today. Hey, everybody. Before we begin today, a quick announcement. This is episode 37, and it's going to be the final episode of season zero for Otherworld I know that sounds bad, but it's actually good news. We're gonna be taking a very quick break and then coming back uh, bigger and better than ever. I will explain that in more details at the end of this episode. So stay tuned after the story's over. I have some exciting announcements. Welcome to Otherworld, I'm your host, Jack Wagner. This episode comes from a guy named Dennis who had a terrifying experience in the woods that he wrote in to me about. Dennis is currently a lawyer and so is the person he was on this trip with where he experienced all of it. He seems like a really factual, by the book, research type guy. And I know he hesitated for a while before sending this in. And what's interesting about this one is how much time he's spent in the woods before all of this happened. He was a boy scout, he's climbed mountains, He spent a huge amount of time outdoors. In fact, I think once you hear him talk for just a couple minutes, you'll be able to tell how much of a nature nerd he is. This is not the type of guy who gets spooked in the woods, quite the opposite. I could tell he feels very in control when he's outdoors and he spent so much of his life out there without any incident, except for this one. And while interviewing him, I could tell how much it still scares him all these years later and confuses him. I'm going to let him tell the story for himself. This is episode 37. The title is The Salmon River Creature, and you're listening to Otherworld.
1: Hello? Welcome here. We're still, you Yeah, let us, let us know when you're.
2: All right, I guess I'll just jump right in. So uh, a little bit of background. Um, You know, I I work as a lawyer. I'm in New York City now. Uh, It's a big change for me. I grew up in Syracuse, New York, which is like four, four and a half hours upstate. We joke that, you know, a lot of people, like New York City people, you say upstate, they think like Westchester County. And like, they just don't realize that this huge like swath of territory exists um syracuse it's like city of like a hundred thousand people it's not small it's smaller than it used to be like a lot of abandoned factories but um, one of the things i like about it is it's very much a city but you can drive like 45 mi- minutes in any direction and just be in like the ass middle of the woods if you want to I- i've been all over like the wilderness up there um i've climbed probably 1920 of the high peaks in the Adirondacks, which is relatively nearby. I I sort of got interested in, you know, outdoorsy things up there when I was a boy scout, uh, you know, I didn't get very far in the, that my dad was an Eagle scout. I think he's always a little disappointed. I didn't really get far in the boy scout hierarchy, but I did develop a passion for camping, like all seasons, all weather, particularly backpacking. Like I love the idea of like walking into the woods with only what's on your back and like that's what you've got this was not that kind of camping trip uh kate doesn't my, my friend kate i've known her i'm not even sure how long i've known her she's like a, a core memory type friend like since we were little children um you know I, i'm very close with her family she's like a second daughter to my parents practically and you know, she was also sort of into this, uh, you know, outdoor lifestyle. I know she did um, ROTC for a little bit. Like she, she knows her shit. I was always very comfortable, you know, going into the woods with her, and we were friends through, you know, late elementary, middle, high school, and at the end of high school, um, she had just I. I think at this point I was taking college classes, but, like, I was sort of, like, iffy about, like, is this what I want? You know, obviously I did end up finishing. I went to law school and all of that. And, you know, the more I become a confirmed member of the bureaucracy, the more I, like, appreciate this sort of ability to, like, run off to the woods periodically. There's just something nice about, like, throwing your phone, like, in your bag and being, like, no reception out here. But anyway, at this point in our lives, you know, we were both kind of like, is this what we want to be doing? Like she had just gone to college in Philadelphia and realized it wasn't for her and come home and was like, you know, feeling, uh, I think a little bit like a washout. Um, She's not. She (laughs) did like a semester at community college and ended up going to Cornell. Like she's really, really smart, but both of us were kind of feeling like, you know, teenage 20-something dirtbags at this point in our lives and a way that we would deal with that is we knew all of these little camping spots from you know growing up in this area we knew like oh yeah you drive you know up 81 you get off at this like little bumblefuck exit and like drive down a country road for a while you'll find a cool spot and we'd like sort of like trade these spots back and forth between us. Like if one of us heard about something, we'd be like, oh, we got to go check this place out. And there's some, there's some creepy spots up there too. There's this, uh, this one spot called Whiskey Hollow that like, uh, there's a, a, a natural spring. Like people go there to get water from it. But like, there's also like a bunch of weird, like almost intentionally planted, like tree arrangements and stuff. And there's like legends that were, there were like witches covens that met there and stuff. It's probably bullcrap but it was fun to camp at but anyway I have no idea how she found out about this spot the the spot where all of this went down is like probably one of the remote the most remote places I've ever camped which is surprising because like you can drive to it like I've gone on trips where like you know I if you want to get to the site, you have to hike like, you know, 13 miles into the woods with all your stuff on your back. But like, you'll still see like 15, 20 people when you get there. This was not that kind of place. Like it was a, a catch basin, which I'm not really sure what its purpose is. Uh, I I know that um, it's, it's on the Salmon River, which is a river that is north of Syracuse, probably like an hour drive to get to the river itself. But what we would do is we'd take the highway up and then we'd get off and then, you know, find our way down some like dusty country roads. So how this thing was oriented is you would drive down um, this county route. I'm not sure which route it is, miles from the highway. uh, It'd get really, really quiet, like in the dark, I swear to God, there was like pitch black, like there was your headlights and nothing else. Like, you know, you'd pass a trailer park, maybe a couple scattered like farmhouses, and then there'd be like no structures. I'd estimate like this place was probably like 10 miles from the nearest like man-made structure. And then there was this little like, what I would guess is like either an access road for the DC or like maybe an old logging road. And, like, if you didn't know where it was, you'd totally miss it. It's, like, just a little turnoff. It looks like an accident, like, off of this this county route. And this road is, like, crazy bumpy. Like, Potholes does not describe it. It's just, like, it, it, it was probably never, like, leveled by machinery, and it never will be. And she had this crappy little Honda Accord. Rest in peace. I loved that car. That was, you know, perpetually sort of like <laughs> holding on to life. And we'd take these trips because like we were both kind of feeling like burnouts at this point in our life, and like this was our escape. He'd be like, you know, run off to the woods for a a day or two. Um, you know, we'd throw the tent in the car. Uh, we'd we'd bring almost always her border collie Lucas, who was like, I think at that point he was like fairly old, but he was so protective of her. And like, because I had been around and in her life for so long, he's very protective of me too. Like we were, we used to joke, like we were his flock, like we were his sheep. And he would like, he didn't like it if we'd like stand more than like 20 feet apart and have a conversation. He'd like try to hurt us closer together. So we'd, we'd take him, we'd take, You know, food, hot dogs, like, beers. And when I say beers, I mean, like, we'd take, like, one six-pack. Like, we were were kids, uh, functionally. And we would just drive out to these sites. Like, I remember some nights, like, we didn't... We would do this, like, so slapdash that there were a couple times where we, like, didn't even bring a tent. Like, we just slept in sleeping bags, like, on the ground in some woods. And on this occasion she's like taking me down this road and I'm like where are we like this is this is really weird like I don't think we're supposed to be here and like we we objectively weren't it was DEC land um we were trespassing it was owned by the state for you know whatever they did there whether it's like fisheries or something to do with the dam and You'd go down this road, this really bumpy road with like very dense, like thickety woods on both sides of you, like impenetrable woods at night, like you could not see past the road. So we tried to get there in the day usually, but we'd we'd come down this road and then like there would be like a little pad, like a little like hand-packed, leveled pad, and we'd park there, and then... If, like, if you just like accidentally drove down this road, like, you would never guess that there was a spot to camp down here. You'd get to that, you'd be like, well, this is dumb. But if you knew to go through this, like, copse of woods at the edge of this little, I, I don't even want to call it a parking lot, like, that's what you used it for, but it was, like, not a proper parking lot. You would come to this, like, basin, this, like, open sort of pond that was clearly man made. Um, and it was connected to uh, a big old stream, which I assume is like a tributary of the river by this like huge, like big enough to swim through concrete pipe with probably like 15, 20 feet in diameter. and the edge of the little pond, the little basin, was made up of dirt that was like packed over this thing. And you'd walk across that, like, there was only enough space on this thing probably to walk single file. And it was just like this perfect little idyllic, super secluded camping spot on the edge of this little pond. And it was absolutely surrounded on all sides by, like, really, really dense foliage. Like, you were so private from the road. So anyway, this site was, like, our favorite place to go after she took me there because it had, you know, we could swim in a pond. There was like a nice place to like lay out and get some sun. There was a, a good spot for a fire pit. Although we always, like we never saw signs of other people camping there. Like usually when you find a site, like even a backcountry site, like an unofficial site, you'll usually be able to be like, oh yeah, that was a fire ring. You know, you'll find tent stakes that people have left behind. But like, we never saw anything like that. We'd always have to build our own fire pit. and We'd always take it apart before we left because we didn't want to like advertise that we were using it. So that's what we did. We would come here, you know, probably like once, twice a month for a while. It was like our, our go-to spot. And after probably about a dozen times of using this is like when all of this went down which was extremely strange. Like it I say that only to say like we had gone here enough that we were like super comfortable with it. We were like, "Oh yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with this spot. Like no one's ever going to find us here. Like it's really secluded. You know, it's our our little secret." So, one day we go out there. I remember it was like a particularly good camping trip, too. Like we were having fun. We were you know, roast in. I think I was like fancy and like, I didn't even get hot dogs. I like got sausages and we were, we were grilling sausages over the fire. We had been swimming all day. Lucas, who didn't usually like to go in the water, had like come in the water with me. And we had like one big tent. Sometimes we'd bring our own. Sometimes I'd bring my hammock and she'd sleep in the tent. But like, on this occasion, it had been, like, kind of last minute. So we just brought her big tent, and we were both going to sleep in it in our sleeping bags. So we're, like, we're winding down. You know, there's there's really not much to do that far out, like, after it gets dark than, like, go to sleep. So we're, we've we had our dinner. It's dark out. We're We're getting bored of sitting by the fire. So we're like, let's go to bed. But, like, this whole time, like, as soon as it got dark, like, Lucas just started acting really weird he was ordinarily like the until the day he died he was like the happiest dog you'd ever meet like very anxious because like border collies are like anxious dogs but he really was not anxious in this place like he loved this site almost more than we did we would have him on uh what you call a hunting leash or what she'd call a hunting leash which was like He'd have his harness on, but, like, literally it was just, like, a, like, 20-foot nylon rope tied to this harness. And, like, it, it's designed to, like, let him go and, like, just run. And, like, you know, you can get a hand on him if you need to for safety reasons. But, like, otherwise he was a free man when he was in this little copse of woods. And he loved that. There were, like, tons of squirrels to chase. There were, like, fish to look at. He was a very curious boy. And he really, really liked the spot. So, as soon as it gets dark, though, like, he just gets, like, super, super anxious. Like, he's, like, I I don't know if you've heard, like, dogs will do, like, you know, the little whine, like, eh. Like, when they're just not sure of something. And he was doing that a lot. And he was, like, particularly sort of, like, staring at the tree line. I would see him get, like you know, anxious in the city sometimes. Like, you know, with road noise and all that, he'd get a little overwhelmed. But, like, out in the woods, never. He was always, like, thrilled to be there. Like, he he knew the dirt road. And, like, when we'd turn onto the dirt road, he'd, like, get really excited and start bouncing around the back seat, usually. And the whole time he was there, usually, he was very, very chill. He liked to just vibe with the whole place usually and and that's the thing too is like the the sort of part of the idea of bringing him at least the first couple times was like you know he's aware of stuff we're not like he can let us know if something's up and he never never alerted us to anything before this night like he was always like no this is a great place I'm happy to be here you know in as far as a border collie can communicate that but this night he was like glued to Kate. Uh, He was like healing, like right up against her leg for a lot of it. He would like sniff around the tree line a little bit and then like come right back and like heal against her and whine. And she was like, you know, petting him, trying to reassure him, like, there's nothing there. It's fine. And she even said to me, I think she was like, he's, he's being weird. But you know, that in and of itself didn't really raise any alarm bells for us.
0: Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Springtime is here. I've recently had all of my windows open, letting in the breeze, the smell of fresh flowers blooming all over my neighborhood. This is what a house should smell like. It should not smell like your cat's litter box. Thankfully, Pretty Litter makes that very easy. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra absorbent, lightweight, low dust, and one six pound bag works for up to a month. It also gives me peace of mind knowing Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like urinary tract infections, kidney issues, and more. This is especially useful now that my cat is hanging out Constantly by our screen door, getting visitations from coyotes, raccoons, squirrels, other cats, who knows what else. So it's very helpful knowing that if he picks up anything weird from them, I'll notice right away in his litter. When I first got my cat Merlin, I tried using the cheap cat litter that comes in those huge, giant bags from the pet store. That stuff is awful. Some of it smells worse than the smells it's supposed to be covering up. It does not have to be like that. There's a better way to live. There's no reason for your house to smell like your cat's litter box. If your house smells like a cat's litter box, that's on you. That's not on your cat. Pretty Litter is amazing. You should give it a try. Go to prettylitter.com otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Otherworld listeners. I'm excited to tell you about a show that I love and I think you're going to love as well. It's called Sophia with an F. Starring Sophia Franklin. This show is about as different from Otherworld as a show could possibly be. Which is why I think many people were very, very shocked. When I got invited on as a guest around Halloween. It was really the crossover that nobody expected. I'll never forget the day my episode came out. And every single one of my college age cousins texted me all at the same time. Very confused. Very confused but also very excited. It was nice to hear from all of them, though, and uh, finally get some respect. I had a great time on the show. Sophia is really down to earth, which is why I think her interviews are so good. We talked about Otherworld, the paranormal, getting into this whole thing unexpectedly, as I did, and a lot of other stuff that I think normally does not get discussed on Sophia with an F. Normally in the show, Sophia Franklin goes deep on sex, life, mental health, relationships, and everything in between, you could get Sophia all to yourself every Monday for solo mini episodes and every Thursday with her ride or die, best friends, experts, and some famous guests on a host of other topics, topics that are not safe for the dinner table, from foursomes and sugar daddies to wild sexcapades and tips for keeping things fresh in the bedroom. It's raw and laugh out loud funny, no borders and no filters. My personal favorite is the episode with Walk a Flock of Flame, if you want somewhere to start. Listen to and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, springtime is here and it might be time to clean out the closet and finally update your wardrobe. Quince has you covered with timeless pieces that never got a style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the essentials for men and women and everything is made from high quality materials, which is very important to me. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with Top Factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman, and passes savings on to us. And like I mentioned, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices along with premium fabrics and finishes. I recently went on a little shopping spree myself, I got a chore jacket, a Mongolian cashmere cardigan, and a quilted jacket. Basically stuff that I could just throw on top of the normal old t-shirts that I wear every day to make myself look a lot more presentable and fashionable when I need to. I also got some new sheets for our bed. They have so many to choose from. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com otherworld for free shipping on your order. And 365 day returns. That's quince, dot com slash Otherworld to get free shipping and 365 day returns, quince.com slash Otherworld. I used to be really bad at keeping track of my finances. A very stupid part of me believed that if I just don't look at my bank accounts and my credit card statements, the money will all still be there, even if I spent it on stupid stuff that month. Well, that's not how it works. I learned the hard way, it's quite the opposite. Usually, when I finally did look, I'd notice that there was some subscription I'd been paying for that I forgot to cancel or I got overcharged for something and it's too late to fix. But now I use Rocket Money to keep track of all of that for me so I don't have to worry. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you could grow your savings. Rocket Money finds all of your bills and subscriptions for you, lays them out, and gives you the option to cancel them automatically or it can negotiate a lower price for you. I recently tested this out on my internet bill, and they were able to negotiate a lower price for me. I saved like $300 doing this. If you're like me and you get scared checking your accounts, Rocket Money might be your savior. It's nice having everything in one place and under control. I promise you're going to be very happy once you finally do it. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com otherworld.
1: I think
2: this would have been, yeah, this would have been in August. So it is still very hot, but, like, it's it's getting dark earlier. And this particular night, like, it seemed like night just felt like a freaking blanket. Like, I, I don't attribute that to anything, really, except that it was late August. But, like, it got dark. And, like, there was really, like not a lot of time between like, oh, it's light out and oh, it's pitch black. And I think that was part of our impetus to just like go to bed. Like there's really nothing to see. So, you know, I pour water on the fire. I kick the ashes, make sure it's out cold. And then, you know, we, we zip up in our tent. I'm out like a light. I often am when I'm camping. Like I have problems sleeping a lot of it at the time. Like, I'm I'm very prone to insomnia normally, but, like, when I'm out in the woods, when I'm, like, getting fresh air, when I'm doing physical things, like, I tend to just, like, drop out cold. Probably, like, I want to say, like, 3 a.m. I'm, like, I sort of come out of sleep, and, like, Kate's, like, over me, and she's like, there's something outside the tent. Like, there, there is something outside the tent. I need you to wake up. Like, there's, there's something very close to the tent. And our our tent was, like, pretty close to the tree line here. It was probably, like, seven or eight feet from where the trees started. And the area that it was placed close to was, like, trees. And then in front of it and, like, around them was, like, really thick, like, pricker bushes. You know, not nice to to try to walk through. So we didn't. But we figured, you know, we'll, we'll put it at the edge of the site over here. Anyway, she's trying to shake me awake and telling me that she's hearing stuff out of the tent. And I'm thinking, you know, whatever. It's coy dogs. Like, this is an area of the state that I know very well. And, like, she knows very well. And there's really just not a lot of, like, large predators or predators, period, in this area. Like, there's not bobcats. There's, uh, like, black bears are almost, almost non-existent. Like, I I guess it's theoretically possible that, like, a black bear could wander down this fall during, like, salmon season. But, like, there are parts of this river that are, like, way closer to the mountains that are, like, way easier for black bears to get to. Like, a a black bear would have to be pretty lost. So I'm thinking it's coy dogs. Like, the main thing in this area is coy dogs. And I, I, like, I distinctly remember, like, I pulled away from her, kind of, and, like, rolled over and, like, tried to go back to sleep. And she, like, will not stop. She was, like, shaking me, and she's like, no, it's not a koi dog. Like, I don't know what it is, but, like, it's, it's right by the tent. Like, it's in the woods. It's in this stand of trees, like, right by the tent. I'm like, whatever. I'll get up and I'll see what it is. So normally Lucas would have been, like, you know, let's go. I'm gonna handle this. Like, I'll help you scare them off. He would have been, like, barking, like, right at the tent flap, but he's, like, curled up, like, terrified. And another thing I noticed was, like, his fur was, like, up. Like, I I don't know if you've ever heard the term hackles, but it's, like, the, the little, like, patch of fur, like, on their back right in the middle. And if you sufficiently startle a dog, like, that will just stick up straight. And... I don't think I'd ever seen him do that before, but his hackles were up. And I'm like, all right, okay, maybe it's a bear. So I've got this this mess kit. Like, it's this really stupid, like, Boy Scout-ish mess kit that we all had. So I, I exit the tent. I've got a flashlight. And I've got uh, the two hemispheres of this thing. And... Kate comes out of the tent with me. Like, she she puts Lucas's hunting leash on and she comes out with me. And the instant they're out of the tent, Lucas is, like, away. He's, like, straining against the leash. He's, like, trying to pull her away from the noise and towards the direction of the car, like, back across this little bridge over the concrete pipe. He's, like, trying to get us to leave. And, like, more than trying to get us to leave, he's, like, putting his whole, like, body weight into it, and she's, like, struggling to hold him. And when I get out of the tent, you know, I could hear something, sort of, when she was in the tent trying to shake me. Like, I heard rustling, and I heard, like, you know, breathing. Like, uh, not even breathing, like, sniffling. Like, something, like, snuffling around on the ground. And that's what made me think it was coy dogs, but as I'm like coming out of this tent, I I can like hear it more clearly and I can hear that like whatever this is, is like big, like way bigger than a koi dog. Like at least a couple hundred pounds. It's like, I, I can hear the footfalls and it's like snapping twigs and stuff. Like, and that that was the first thing that was weird to me is like this thing's not trying to be quiet. And like, you know, sometimes bears are not super concerned about whether or not they're making noise, but like pretty much every other nocturnal animal I'm aware of, especially in this area, is like trying to be quiet usually. But this thing was not, it was like, it seriously sounded like it was just like bumbling around in this bush. So I'm like, what is it? What is this thing? Like, it's it's gotta be a bear. It's It's gotta be a bear. Like nothing else would be making this much noise. At this point, this is like a practiced reflex for me. I take the two halves of my best kit and I start banging them together. I'm like, get out of here! Like, go on. And I'm expecting I'm gonna hear it turn tail and, you know, scurry off, because that's typically what they do. But whatever it is starts making this noise. Like this This fucked up noise. Like I I can't replicate it. It was like very like guttural and like growly it, it almost like I don't know if you've ever heard like a dog that's about to throw up like it's like if you could make that as a sustained noise like ugh, like but so much like deeper and like it like the best way I could describe this noise as it is it was unnatural and it was like deeply threatening it was clearly some sort of like, you know, I don't want you here. It was hostile. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what this thing is, but I want it gone. I want it away from the campsite. Like, I don't I don't know what you are. I don't care what you are. So I start like pushing towards the bushes, like getting closer and like trying to be louder, like banging the pots and pans faster, like yelling louder. Like, go on, get out of here. Like, fuck off. And I'm like, not, it is not having the desired effect. It's having the opposite of the desired effect. This thing is just getting louder and angrier. Like, the louder and angrier I get, it's just reflecting this energy back at me. And it it sounds like, at one point, like, I, I think when I was talking about it with Kate after, she was like, it sounded like it wanted to kill you. In as far as we can, like, attribute feelings to this thing, we don't know what it was. Like, it sounded like it was really mad at you. So, eventually, I'm like, what the hell is this thing, you know, in an area where there's not supposed to be any predators? What is this, like, thing that is not afraid of me? So, I, I grabbed my, um, I had, like, a little light with, like, a belt holster on my jeans. And, a, like, maybe this long... Um, like six inch long maglite, and I pull it out of my little belt holster and I twist it to turn it on and I like hold it up like over my shoulder like overhand, and I'm like what the hell are you and here's the thing and this is like in my opinion the most disappointing part of this story is like I couldn't see it like I had my light right on it like my light should have hit whatever this was like square in the face based on where this noise was coming from. But I, I could not get a good look at this thing. And what I did see was I saw the bushes it was in, and I saw a dark shape, like uh, uh, just a huge, broader than my shoulders are across by a good margin shape. And when my light hit it, it was probably like four, four and a half feet tall, maybe based on like the bushes I was looking at. But as my light hits it, it just like rises up almost like it had been on all fours and like was now like standing up on its hind legs or I didn't see legs, I don't know, standing up on its hind, whatever. It was Probably, I mean, and this is just estimating based on, like, the, the outline I saw. Like, it was the damnedest thing. Like, I had my light right on it, but, like, you could not get a good look at it. It was almost, like, instead of being lit from, like, the direction I was lighting it, it was almost like it was backlit instead. Like, you couldn't make out any features. But it was probably... Like it had to be at least seven feet tall, standing up like that. You know, it, it was it was wider than me by like almost a factor of two. Uh, in terms of like where <laughs> where I think I saw like shoulders, and its limbs were like you know splayed out to the side of it when it stood up like this, like, and I I can't really wrap my head around too much of what I saw, but like the limbs were like freakishly long, like like wrong, like uncanny valley, like not human proportions, not bare proportions, just like too long, you know? And the entire time it's making this like blood curdling noise And when it stood up, I did get a whiff of like, it, it smelled bad. It smelled like BO and like garbage, basically. It smelled like, it smelled rough. It was not a, like, it was a gag inducing smell that this thing had. And I don't know if that was like, just what it smelled like, if that was its breath, but like it, was huge it was angry it had these like really messed up proportions um that's the thing though is like i i can tell you it was dark colored like i can't tell you if it was furry or not like i can't tell you if it was like the sort of thing that walked on two legs normally and was like you know did this all the time um or if it was like quadrupedal and, like, was standing up to intimidate me like a bear would. But its limbs were just, like, wrong. And it made this gesture where it put its arms out. And it was, like... It's sort of, like, the gesture of, like... If you've seen, like, people, you know, get into, like, a fight outside a bar where they're just like, What? Like, come at me. Like, this thing was spoiling for a fight like all i mean i i can't exactly like tell you its motivations because i don't know what it was but like everything about this thing's body language and behavior was like i will fight you like and i will win get out of here and we we ran we i i really like pride myself on not being afraid of things in the woods because like Are there things to be afraid of in the wilderness? Absolutely. Is it ever worthwhile to panic? Never. Like, you... like I forget the old adage, but, like, it's like, you'll just die tired. Like, predators in the woods, I was always taught, like, will pick up on, you know, your emotions. And, like, they will tell if you're panicked. And, like, if you're panicked, that will embolden them which is why, like, with a bear, you don't run from it. You always confront it. And, like, you know, I, I lived in Colorado for a while. That was, like, the whole thing with a mountain lion is, like, you know, you you yell at it and, like, you let it know that you see it so that it doesn't think it's got the drop on you. I mean, with a mountain lion, it's kind of pointless. Like, if a mountain lion wants to kill you, like, it will. And you probably won't even know it till it's over. But, like this is upstate New York like there are no mountain lions here there's not even supposed to be any bears here there's just this thing and I I cannot to this day tell you and I don't know if she could either like which one of us said it but like one of us just went run and we were gone like we left everything if it wasn't the dog or in our pockets. It was like, screw it, we'll get a new one. We all like piled into this car. I mean, it was a Honda Accord, it was a two seater. Like we were just like jamming ourselves into this thing, like Dukes of Hazard style. And Kate is like flooring it up this like really, really bumpy road. Like it is a miracle we didn't like go into a pothole and go out of control and hit a tree. Because, like, her, her car, she would ordinarily drive down this thing at, like, five miles an hour max. Because, like, we would have to go, like, you know, into and out of, like, big divots and all of that. And she's flying. She's just, like, I, I can hear, like, the bottom of the car, like, crunching against the ground. Lucas is in the back seat at this point, And he's, like, every hair on his body is just, like, spiked. And he's still whimpering, and he's, like, visibly, like, shaking. Like, adrenaline shaking. And I assume so was I. But, like, I, I have never been terrified by something in the woods like that. I'd like to say, you know, I've never been terrified by something in the woods, period. Like... I I was taught well, like I was taught there's always an explanation, you know, they're always more afraid of you than you are of them, like never show panic. There's always a way forward, but there was, there was no way forward with this thing. There was no, I was going to scare it off. There was just, it wanted us gone and, you know, it would have done whatever it took to get us gone is what it felt like. Anyway, we, we drove, I don't know how long, but eventually we made it to a town and that happened to have a McDonald's. And we just sat in this, like, well-lit McDonald's parking lot, like, all night. We didn't sleep a wink. But the whole time, like, we were just sitting in the car. For a long time, we sat there, like, in silence. And then I think Kate spoke up finally, and she was like, that wasn't a bear like I don't know what that was and I was like come on like we've got to we got to be able to figure this out like let's go through every like animal we know like we've both been camping here all our lives like and we couldn't come up with anything like nothing would be that big nothing would be that aggressive and the thing that like really freaks me out like to this day, the thing that spooks me is something she pointed out like after the fact. Like we were sitting there and she just goes, you know, did you did you see eyeshine when you shined your light? Like, did you see any eyeshine at all? Because I didn't. And I was thinking, and I was like, no. I didn't see eyeshine. Like, I didn't I didn't see anything. I didn't see like where its eyes would be. Like, if you like, you know, if your dog or cat is in a dark room at night um, and you look over at it, like it'll it'll have the glowing eyes. You know, if you if you're like backlit, like everyone's seen that at some time or another. And like pretty much that is what animals do. Like all of them have this, you know, that's I know the DEC like literally will like categorize animals by like shining a spotlight into the woods at night and being like, let's count the eyes. You know, I've I've seen people I've backpacked with do that, like identify things by like the, the return from the eyeshine. This thing didn't have any. Like, that's what really, really screwed with me. And I mean, again, we're like 10 miles away from the nearest structure. So, yeah, we just, we were at a complete loss. We were like... I was literally sitting in her car with her, like, trying to, like, play animal sounds on YouTube. Like, is it this? No. Not even close. Is it this? No. Like, we... The one thing we found that, like, was maybe close was, like, a bobcat in heat. But, like, it was way deeper and bassier and, like, more aggressive than that. And also, there are no bobcats in that area at all. Like... It's like hundreds of miles to like anywhere that would have bobcats. Um, so we were at a complete loss. But the next day we were like, you know, the sun came up. We were feeling a little bit better, and we were like, we got to go back and get our stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like a a tent, like two relatively nice sleeping bags, like all of our cooking stuff, all of our, you know. Uh, camping stuff, all of our gear. So, I get in, I get back in the car. Like I, you know, go into McDonald's to pee, like get some coffee for both of us, and I come back and I get out in the car. I'm like, all right, I guess it's not gonna get any easier to go back. We might as well do it in daylight. So, you know, we we drive to this place like basically in silence because we're both just like very unnerved. And we go down the logging road. I believe Kate actually, like, she had a, like, a little can of mace in her glove compartment. She, like, pulled that out. And we're like, all let right, right, let's, let's go see, like, what the damage is. And we go back, and our campsite is, like... By the way, I should mention, like, Lucas didn't even... He wouldn't even get out of the car. Like, he started whining on the logging road. And like, he he just stayed like in the car with the windows down. Like he didn't want to get out and we were not going to make him. Um, we get back and our site is like exactly, exactly the way we left it. Like the tent is still, the flap is still just like partially unzipped from when we came out. Like our sleeping bags are still in the exact same orientation. Like our food is all still in the tent. I think we had a, a leftover beer or two. They're still in there. And like the site has not been tossed. Like it hasn't been gone through. There's no footprints. There's no, you know, animal, man or otherwise. There's no like sign that anyone was there. There's like some crushed down, like areas of bush where it was, but like, there's no like fur caught on the bushes or like anything like that. Like there's just, no clues. It was almost like it didn't happen. And I remember looking at her, I was like, did I imagine this? Like there was definitely something here last night, right? And she was like, yeah, there a hundred percent was, but like, I can't tell you, you know, looking at it now, I couldn't tell you there was something there. So we just gathered up all our stuff and we're like, this makes even less sense than it did before. If it was people they absolutely would have like taken all of this like valuable camping gear or like, you know, at least the beers. If it was animals, like they 100% would have eaten the food. Like I would expect to find like the the sausages we had left over, like ripped up, you know, the packaging all ripped up all over the site. Because, you know, that's happened to us before and that's how that goes down. But there is nothing. It looked like it literally just like, showed up, ran us off, and left. And we were, like, quiet the whole drive home. Except at one point, Kate was like, we can't go there anymore. Like, we're we're never camping there again. I didn't talk about it outside of kate for a long time and i don't think she's like talked about it with anybody i actually was i was texting with my parents last night and they were like oh what are you doing tomorrow and i was like oh i'm gonna be doing an interview for a podcast and they were like about what and i realized i never even told my parents the people i've talked to about it who have like given me the most pushback on it i think that they reject it and like try to throw labels on it that don't fit because the alternative is admitting that they don't know everything. The woods are big. Like, if you think you know everything that's in there, like, you're wrong. One thing I did try is, um, Syracuse has a a pretty big native population. The Onondaga Reservation actually, like, butts right up against the, like, city limits of Syracuse. I've got a couple friends with, like, you know, various amounts of Native ancestry, and I've only ever, like, approached, like, one or two of them about it. And, like, every person I've asked about it has, like, like it instantly gotten, like, kind of cagey. Like, I, I don't want to talk about this with you. You know, obviously, I don't want to pry. There are topics that are just avoided because, like, giving them any amount of airtime and your thoughts or speech is, like, going to draw their attention. So I don't know if that's it. I don't know if they're just, like, you know, this crazy white guy. Like, I don't want to talk about this with him. Why does he think I know? Um, it's just... There's not a lot of answers, but yeah, I mean, if if you could find somebody willing to share insights, like, I would be very interested to hear that.
1: My name is Frank Buffalo Hyde uh, from the Onondaga Nation. I grew up equal time in Syracuse, New York on the Onondaga Nation and Santa Fe, New Mexico. But, you know, people have been seeing strange things on our reservation um every season behind my mother's house it's a heavily wooded area um we hear like trees um being knocked together and you know it's either like right after dark or just before it gets light out rustling in the in the in the bushes and then you would hear something that sounded like either trees knocking together or them you know large loud snaps like really deep thuds and then and the next day we would go check them out and there would be like these weird patterns in the weeds, like something was laying or rolling around. And then some of these, like, um, kind of juvenile trees that aren't quite tall or thick yet have been like snapped off their stumps, like in, in, in the middle of the tree. So, like, something was rolling around or pushing trees, breaking trees off. We think there's something that comes back like every, every year at two times a year, usually when the, when the seasons change. When we were, uh, Building our family's log cabin. It was partially finished, and uh, I think it was the first week that we were actually staying in there. And I'd got up to go to the bathroom and get something to drink, and I was walking past the living room window, and I happened to see these two tall figures. They were one was dark and one was light. They're almost like dogs, but they were wider and taller, and they were walking on their on their back legs. I stopped, and then I must have taken another step because they both turned over and looked at me. They dropped down on all fours and took off running across the yard. And I told other people about it, and they said they've seen similar things uh, generationally through through the years uh, running around the same part of the res. You know, a couple times growing up, I heard something heavy jump on top of the trailer and then land and then run across the length of it and jump off. We went out to take a look, and it just snowed, and there was no footprints being on the nation like we kind of uh know that there's there's dark entities and light entities that exist all in the same realm and other realms you know i think we're just a little bit more open to that than than other people in you know other reservations i talk about shapeshifters but i don't think uh um they don't have anything like skinwalkers or anything around our our nation they just you know, talk about people having the ability to do stuff like that, or uh, alchemists or witches, something like that. I mean, that's the best. That's the best translation, anyway. Sometimes you feel like if you if you talk about something, you you give it power and you bring it to you or call it to you, and and manifest it in a way. But uh, I think you know, there's certain things that we're, we're taught not to really talk about because of that, um, because it might you know give it enough energy to to manifest and happen again. You know, we can't know everything about nature and there's certain parts of nature that we, we haven't been able to touch yet. And there's things around us all the time and stuff that we know nothing about and shouldn't know anything about. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Thank you to Dennis. Sharing the story. I also want to thank Frank Bearhide from the Onondaga Nation for talking with me. Also, thank you to Louie, who I also spoke with from Onondaga Nation. I actually spoke to a few people about this, and everyone gave me slightly different perspectives, but the specifics of certain rituals and beliefs are not something that I think is discussed with outsiders, and I want to respect that. And I don't think anyone I talked to knew for certain what Dennis saw. Dennis certainly doesn't know what it is. And I also don't have a guess. And I say that just to say that it seems genuinely outside the bounds of the stories that most of us are familiar with. And these kind of categories of things that people are afraid of. I really don't know what it is and have specifically not put a label on it. And That's why I find all of it so unsettling. So thank you again to everybody who spoke to me for this story. So before we go, I have an announcement. At the beginning of the show, it was supposed to be six episodes long, basically a mini series. And in those first episodes, I was calling it season zero. It was really just a side project that I put out to see if anybody would even like it. I actually pitched Otherworld to a bunch of podcast networks last spring and got turned down. And I just decided to make it. It was only six episodes long. I was calling it season zero because I didn't think it was enough to even call season one. But thanks to all of you, the show has grown so much. There's been a lot of interest in it. It's honestly overwhelming and I'm very grateful. I just signed a network deal to do many more episodes of Otherworld. Season zero is coming to an end only because there are no more seasons. We're just going to keep going, which is great because there are still so many episodes that I've recorded that you haven't even heard yet. I'm very excited for this new chapter of the show. Everything about it is going to be the same, same team, same podcast, same everything, except for hopefully we're going to be growing it even bigger getting some sponsors and hopefully starting to pay some of the amazing friends I have helping me with something besides compliments. I'm going to take a brief break and we'll be back July 10th with a big series that I've been working on for quite a bit. I hope you all like Long Ones because this story was over nine hours of Raw interviews. It tells the story of a horrible crime from the perspective of the person it happened to. And it also includes... The paranormal aspects of it all That most likely would not be included If it were told on a normal show So stay tuned for that We're going to be back on July 10th If you want to hear more episodes of Otherworld You could always hear those On the Otherworld Patreon But seriously, thank you to everybody that listens to this show It's all so shocking Exciting and overwhelming And with that, I want to take a moment to thank Some of the people individually Who have helped me make Otherworld I feel like there's this misconception with some listeners where I could tell they imagine this show being made in like a studio with a team and interns and like, you know, organization, proper equipment and stuff. It's literally just me in my house on a laptop, usually in my pajamas, grinding away with the help of some incredible friends that I've talked into helping me out with this show. Um, I could not have done it without them. I'm so incredibly grateful for them. So I want to thank some people. Thank you. First of all, to everybody who's ever told a story on this show. I'm so thankful to get to hear these stories in the first place and be trusted to tell them Uh, a lot of times. They're very sensitive and complicated stories, and it's really an honor to be able to tell them. I've gotten to know some of the guests really well in the process. And I'm just so thankful for every single one of them. Thank you and keep them coming. Thank you to Cobraman. For letting us use your song as a theme me and the singer of that band andy were actually roommates in a warehouse a long time ago where we slept on the floor together in an arrangement sort of similar to how the grandparents slept in willy wonka and the chocolate factory thank you to cobra man for letting me use the song thank you to colin smite who made the incredible cover art and logo for the show among so many other things colin you are such an incredible designer i don't know how i could ever repay you for this Thank you to Theo Schaefer for editing and mastering most of the episodes. He is slightly too handsome to be editing podcasts. So for that reason, I'm very grateful to have him and all of his help. Thank you to Patrick McDermott, a.k.a. North Americans. Everybody knows his music by now. He's one of my very good friends, and he's let me use his music so much over the years. He's also made some incredible original scores for this show. So thank you to Patrick. Thank you to Ben Morseberger, a.k.a. Juice Jackal, an incredible musician And made probably more scores for the show Than anybody else that you've heard He used to be the guitarist of Blood Orange He has many, many amazing side projects Shout out to Ben for being an incredible musician And helping out so much in the show Thank you to Trey or Tryon De La Torre An amazing musician and one of my great friends He has a very complicated last name That just got even more complicated after getting married Thank you to Trey for making so much amazing music for the show Also, thank you to Jeremy Malvin, a.k.a. Chrome Sparks, for making that synth music that you hear in the very beginning of every single show. Thank you to Theo Krantz for editing multiple episodes and putting up with me calling you Theo number two. I'm sorry. It gets very confusing having two Theos editing the show. Thank you to Rose City Band, the Jacuzzi Boys, the Reds, Pinks, and Purples, the OCs, and all the bands that have let me use their music on the show over the years. Thank you to my now wife, Chelsea, for generally putting up with me, believing in me, and being down to get married to a guy whose only job is hosting a paranormal podcast that makes a negative amount of money. Thank you for being willing to do that and believing in me. Thank you to my cat Merlin for sitting next to me every time I do an interview, including some of the scariest ones that I've done. He's always right there by my side. Thank you to Phoebe Wilson, Ben Goldberg, and Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. Thank you to Eddie, Gabe, and Kai from Range. Nick and Duncan from Orienteer. Thank you to Fernando, Miranda, Josh Chitarella, Sidhu, and Dr. Galal. Thank you to Hessa Denny, Matt Crowdstrunk, Lily West. Thank you to Lindsay Underwood, Taylor Lorenz, Evan Gilbert Katz. Thank you to Adam Baz and Sam Russell for letting me use your owl and some goats. Thank you to Wendy and her whole family. And thank you to all the patrons of Otherworld. And thank you to anybody else I'm forgetting. Once again, thanks to all of the listeners. This is just the beginning. This show is not easy to make. It's very time-consuming and scary at times. The only reason we do it is because people seem to really like it. So thank you sincerely for tuning in and supporting the show. It's been incredible to watch it grow. It's kind of hard to believe. But honestly, I cannot wait to see where things are going to go from here. Like I said, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back on July 10th. Stay tuned for that. And you've been listening to Otherworld.